Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to One Golden Moment, the Daily Californian sports podcast. I'm Emily Oman, the head editor of the sports department this summer. For those of you who haven't listened before, welcome and thank you for your support. And for any regular listeners, thank you for your continued encouragement. I wanted to provide a quick note on how this podcast might be different from seasons or episodes before. As you likely know, the COVID-19 pandemic that has rocked the world has prevented any U.S. sports from being played, from collegiate and professional to recreational soccer and t-ball. Here at the Daily Cal, we mainly cover Cal sports, so the cancellation of these seasons and professional ones has forced us to adapt to these challenges and be as creative as we can with our writing and content production. We still produce a print publication, but we thought that by continuing this podcast, even with no clear sense of when sports might return, that we will be able to provide those still sheltering in place with a resource for them to get news and updates on Cal sports and professional sports alike without having to leave their homes or risk infection. We'll be covering sports news as it occurs, interviewing Cal players, recalling great moments in the school's sports history, and analyzing professional sports as they make plans to resume their seasons. Thank you again for your support and for joining us today. We hope you continue to listen in the future as we navigate our new realities together. Like you said, Emily, the MLB has been definitely, def, def, uh, definitely, oh man, I choked that one. Hi guys, and welcome to season four of One Golden Moment. Um, I'm Emily Oman, the head sports editor this summer, and typically we would be in our office today with all of our podcast gear and our mics, but instead I am Zooming with two of my lovely staffers, uh, Chan Ong and Noah Parker. Um, and Noah has covered MLB for our Bear Bites blog. Uh, he's written a lot about that in the last couple of weeks because uh, we're currently in a pandemic, if you didn't know that. We have no sports, no live sports to report on. Uh, Shannon also used to report on softball. I reported on baseball for about three weeks before that season ended. So what has it been like for you guys without baseball in the last couple of weeks? Because I know that baseball is all of our favorite sports um, and it's left a gaping hole in my heart. <laughs> but how, how have you guys felt without it? Yes, Just like, pretty strange yeah. for me. Um, I feel like just May and June is such a such a baseball month. I know NCAA baseball would be right right in its postseason right now, and will be just just kicking off, and it's it's pretty empty. Um, but I will say it would it would feel kind of weird having baseball right now. I don't know. Yeah. Things just don't seem normal enough for baseball. <laughs> that does make sense. This is Noah Parker for everyone listening. Shannon, uh, how have yes. you felt? Hi, I'm Noah. <laughs> yeah, I mean. MLB TV opened up its archives, so now I can watch all the 2018 and 2019 games. But that's been nice, but that's also one of the few things that I've done right lately. So I feel like no baseball right now, though, just generally, generally not a good time. Yeah, and for there being no baseball, there sure has been a lot of drama going on in the MLB uh, the last few weeks, and that is what we're all gathered here to talk about today. Um, so normally, I think that this will be the group that we talk about baseball with for this summer's podcast, um, and we like to kick this off by talking about how the MLB is kind of coming unraveled at the moment uh, due to a potential lockout with players over arguments about prorated salaries. There's a lot going on in the world um, right now in general, in the U.S., um, like we mentioned earlier, the pandemic, I think most people know about that. We're still sheltering in place here in California. Um, but I think about every single day and night for a, about a week now, there have been uh, protests erupting across the nation, protesting against police brutality for the Black Lives Matter movement. So it's really just been, it's been a very, very political week. I know it's been a hard week for a lot of people. Um, and the MLB has been awfully quiet during all of that too. So there's definitely a lot 
to unpack about the MLB's behavior um, in recent weeks, and it goes definitely beyond uh, these salary arguments. But we're going to break that all down um, today in this podcast. So does one of you guys want to open it up with like a summary of the issue for me? Because I know that I, since I've been kind of like caught up in the other protests, at least at the newspaper as a whole, that's what we've been focusing on, um, kind of like how we're handling ourselves uh, during this movement. So I haven't been able to follow this uh, as closely, or at least the MLB pay situation as closely as I would have liked to. So one of you guys want to fill me in on that. So basically, there's just been like a series of proposals back mm-hmm. and forth between the MLB Players Association and, and the league and the owners, basically. And what's happening is that the players want more games in the season. And this also goes hand in hand with the prorated salary that they're getting because yeah. more games in the season means more pay for them. The owners want fewer games primarily because they have to pay less money, but also they also want the playoffs and they want the least number of games in the season possible before getting to the playoffs so they can pay the players least amount of money and some playoff bonuses while getting TV viewership and saving the most money in terms of contracts. That is just, it's kind of absurd to me, you know, like that the, um, the league is supposed to be there for their players. And this is kind of a theme really for this podcast is that the league is supposed to kind of be there to back up the players, you know, that they profit off of so much. And then in times like this, they haven't been, um, I mean, we're going to get into the whole minor league debacle a little bit later, but yeah, it is kind of, it's upsetting to hear that they're not, um, that they're so like polarized even within their own league. Yeah. Well, I just want to touch on how like they're just treating the players so poorly. I mean, you look back in March, um, the league and the players association had actually agreed to a deal for prorated salaries. Um, but once start negotiations, negotiations started back in May, um, the league took that off the table. And that's kind of where this mess began. Um, and just they're, they're going back and forth. And I just don't think any progress is really being made. You look back to, to early May and players and people around the league are, are claiming that they're, they're just a couple days away, a couple, couple negotiations away from figuring this out. Um, and we've just been hearing that for a month now. And they're still saying it, but I just, I just can't believe it anymore. Um, I'm just, I'm not too confident that the two sides are going to sort it out. Yeah, like the most recent thing that's happened is that the MLB Players Association sent a proposal back to the league about a potential 114-game season. And the league said a fat no, and <laughs> they apparently aren't even planning to make a counteroffer. And I feel like at this at that point, it's really a negotiation tactic. I feel like both sides really do want games to be played. They both need the revenue that comes from the games. And at this point, it's really just it's really just an issue of which side is going to cave, which side wants to profit at potentially the expense of the other. And I feel like in the midst of a pandemic, money money somehow still finds its way to the forefront of Major League Baseball. Yeah, I also really do think that it's interesting. Like, at the end of the day, you can't have baseball without the players. You really, that is kind of the fundamental part of all of this. And it is amazing to me that the owners um, haven't really realized that yet. I mean, you'd think that you would be on the same side as the people that you do profit so much off of. Um, But I guess kind of that is what's been brought to light in the last couple of days is like, How much does the league care about their players as players who are suffering through a pandemic, who haven't been able to play their sport for months, uh, versus how much do they care about them as profit-making agents? So, um, I just, the league is really walking a fine line with this one, I think. Especially considering the the players really have the most to lose because it's their health on their line, it's their money on the line. And I just don't think the league is taking that into big enough consideration. I just think that in terms of player health, I feel like as a professional athlete, that sort of well-being and that long-term health as well, it's really crucial in terms of future negotiations, future contracts. So I feel like players need as much 
guaranteed money as they can because of injury risk, because of maybe they play this season and they end up having to get Tommy John surgery. You know, I feel like that possibility is always there. And when you go back to play a season, when all this, when all this drama is happening, it's going to be shortened. You run the risk of getting sick. I feel like that's where a lot of the players' frustrations are coming from as well. Yeah, I certainly think that they they stand to lose so much more. I mean, a lot of players, like you said, have been very vocal about this. Like um, Blake Snell and his uh, Twitch rant that has gone semi-viral. Um, he literally said, he said, I'm risking my life. Like, why are we even having this conversation? The owners aren't risking their lives. So, um, I mean, it really does shine some light on the on the reality of this subject. It's like, it's not not really just about the money it is such a high risk thing um to be going out and trying to experience and participate in the things that we used to do before the pandemic when it has not gone away it has not abated um and i think it is kind of absurd and really just is showing the the true colors of the owners in terms of you know their their priorities but uh you have any thoughts noah yeah, I agree. And it's just, it's kind of insulting at some point. I'm, I'm just looking at these, uh, at this one point in early May when the, when the owners offered this sliding compensation uh, for salaries. So the, the higher players would, the most, the highest paid players would take the biggest cuts. And you just look at these cuts and they're, they're pretty ridiculous. The owners are asking them to play over half a season. And Mike Trout, Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer, the top played athletes making like $35 million a year would be cut down to $5 million a year. That's like not even close to pro-rated salary. It's just, mm. it's really insulting to these players. Yeah, that is, I mean, also like, it's funny because we talk about like salaries and they're in the millions and stuff, but like, it really does like, that's a huge cut to someone's budget. I mean, these are people also have families and things they need to take care of and when they have no other work or source of income and obviously this is a problem that many Americans have been facing um so it's not an isolated incident but I also think that I mean correct me if I'm wrong but I'm pretty sure that in 2019 the league also got pretty close to a lockout with the players or at least the players threatened uh to strike so it kind of shows you you know, like the players have obviously been um, unhappy with the way things have been managed for a while now, um, which is saddening that even now in a pandemic that nobody predicted, you know, it's kind of just like worsening uh, the treatment that they've been experiencing. Um, but yeah, Max Scherzer has been very vocal, um, Blake Snell among others. So there's also been a bit of a debacle in terms of how the league has been treating their minor league players. Um, so do you guys want to talk about that a little bit and kind of fill us in on what's been going on um, in the minors? So historically, minor leaguers are already um, grossly underpaid athletes. They usually are only making a couple thousand dollars um, in the whole season, which really isn't enough to even live by. Many of these players have to pick up second jobs in the off season. So they're, they're already treated pretty poorly. Um, and when the season got canceled, or at least postponed for the time being, um, many of the teams still offered to pay their minor leaguers some bit of stipend. I think it was around like $400 for a lot of teams uh, per week to each player. Um, but that was only through the end of May. And as the end of May approached, it was getting, it was getting a little haphazard with what was going to happen. Um, and some teams like the A's have just announced that they will not pay their minor leaguers after May, um, which really set a pretty bad precedent for the rest of the sport. Well, I mean, I am just kind of shocked that they would even venture to do that. Like, I mean, it is absurd to me. Also because you're asking this really like the same amount um, of work from the minor leaguers as you are the major leaguers at least to an extent like when you're a baseball player when you're an athlete I mean you have to really devote your life to it um I mean you have to spend a lot of time getting good at it especially if you're maybe drafted out of college you want to work through the minors get up to the majors 
you know, it's like you have to dedicate so much and to be doing that for free, not a great idea. Like what, what are the people, like what are the new draftees going to do? Like that's really kind of what I've been wondering. Yeah. I mean, yes, we can... I don't know if you guys saw, but the, the draft has also been shortened to six yeah. rounds this year from its normal uh, 40 to 50 rounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just leaves a lot of talent off the table. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, this has, I mean, also in terms of like Cal baseball, this is greatly affecting college baseball programs across mm-hmm. the nation. Like, honestly, the ramifications like for minor league teams which is where they get their, you know, a bulk of their, like, training in before they go up to majors. I mean, majors and teams as a whole, organizations. I mean, that's where you, like, that's where you get your roster depth. That's where you train your talent for coming years. So, like, it kind of just doesn't make sense to me that they're shortening it so much. Like, and yeah. I, I get, I guess that it's supposed to be a money-saving thing. I found an article that said, um, Eliminating the sixth through tenth rounds will save teams a combined twenty-nine million over twenty-nine million dollars in slot value, but that only racks up to less than a million dollars per team and less than five hundred thousand dollars in actual cash due to the signing bonuses or the yeah, signing bonus rules. That's from ESPN by the way. But yeah, it's just I mean, I kinda it feels like they're shooting themselves in the foot with everything that they're doing. MLB just seems to be worsening the situation for themselves and I it all kind of seems to be in the name of profit that I don't even know that they will garner when all of this is said and done like Mm -hmm. I feel like personally and this is a whole nother can of worms obviously but I have lost a lot of respect for the league just in terms of how they've handled this how they're treating minor league players uh, like consistently, um, and of course the whole Black Lives Matter protest—they've been utterly silent. Some teams haven't even made statements on it, which is again, I think we will get into this later. I've got some words to say about that, but um, yeah, I just like Chan. What do you think about the shortened draft? Like, do you think there's even a point to having one? Uh, what do you think some of the ramifications might be? I mean, I think that the shortened draft is a humongous problem. And that's because if you take only the first six rounds and you leave out all of that talent from college, for, like from universities and generally people that should have a shot, I think that it's just you're just leaving so much out there. And I feel like it's not going to feel complete. The teams might not even have the roster depth that they need in the coming years. I feel like if you skip a draft or even if you skip part of a draft for one year, that can really affect you down the line. And I think that the way we're going about this and shortening the draft, it's, I feel like whoever's organizing this doesn't really grasp what might happen in the future what might happen to your roster, what might happen to your team, your foundation might be, it could really be unstable because of this. I just want to go back and touch on the minor league debacle. I think that out of all the teams that I could think of fathoming that possibility of not paying minor leaguers, I was the most unsurprised by the A's. I think that the A's have had a history of being being smart with their money, but I think that in terms of trying to save by not paying minor leaguers, it's, you have to think about the salary discrepancy. The major league minimum salary is, it's around $560,000. And when you compare that to an average minor leaguer in AAA, the guy in the minors is making around $14,000 per season. And that's only a couple thousand dollars above the poverty line. And when you compare that to minor leaguers in double A and single A, they're making even less. So I feel like if you're going to hang minor leaguers out to dry in this situation during this pandemic, when millions of Americans are out of jobs, it shows a tremendous lack of respect for them. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I could not agree more. I mean, it's, it is so sad thing. Do you want to say something, Noah? Yeah. And just thinking about the long-term effects of that, 
I, you have to think that a lot of those players are either going to go into independent ball somewhere or who knows where they'll end up, but they won't be playing for the A's in five years. That's for sure. And that's going to show a lot for the A's, especially considering mm-hmm. that Oakland is usually, usually runs off its farm system. Mm-hmm. They, they lose their big players because they don't pay them the big money and they run off their new talent. So this could, it could be pretty bad for the A's in the future. I will also say it is a pretty funny little turn of events with the whole Kyler Murray debacle, how trying to get him either to the A's or the NFL. And I think at this point you can say he definitely made the right decision. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very good point. I know I'm sure he's not regretting anything at this point. Um, yeah, I mean, this is like you kind of both just touched on, like the effects of this are not limited to just a couple of players getting their salaries cut. Um, I mean, like, it really is such a ripple effect. Like, when I think about it, I immediately think about, like, how are college baseball programs going to adjust to this, especially since the NCAA is now allowing seniors, they've granted them an extra year of eligibility should they want it. So what are your new recruits do? Like, do you decommit? Do you defer for a year as a freshman? if you know you're not going to get playing time because seniors are coming back as a senior, do you try to go for the five rounds of the draft? I mean, it's like, it's such a difficult decision because I feel like if you're kind of like a middle of the pack player right now, you have to choose between like going back to college baseball, giving up on baseball <laughs> um, or like, I mean, you know, cause you're not going to make it. I, Probably not in the first, like, six or five or six rounds. How many are they doing? Five? I mean, you're just not going to, like, realistically make that. So this is such a – also, like, you have to pay for another year of college. Not exactly. everybody That's going to that. be a big problem as well. Uh, I don't think the – college baseball already has one of the lowest, if not the lowest, scholarship-to-player, like, ratio in all of college mm-hmm. sports. And I don't think they're going to be increasing that for next year. So that leaves even less players eligible for scholarship on a team. So that does present a lot of problems. Yeah, it is certainly, it, it just goes all the way down the chain. Like everybody is affected by what the MLB is doing right now. Um, and also, like you said before, Shannon, like the salary discrepancies, not even between like MLB and, or sorry, not MLB, major leaguers and minor leaguers, like that alone is stark and upsetting. But also you think about how much owners and CEOs are making and how they're so unwilling to part with, you know, a little fraction of their own salaries is just um, kind of funny that they're, it's not funny, but it's like, you know, it's interesting that they are willing to do this much, affect this many people just to pinch pennies. So to both of you guys, like how does this affect your image of the MLB in your mind? Because I already kind of shared that I think it's caused me to kind of reflect on their real intents and purposes and, and made me see that the managing might not have the best in like or the interests of their players in mind. But um, what about you guys? What are your thoughts on how it's affecting the image um, of the league? Well, I mean, if the disagreement between the owners and the players was about, say, health regulations or about safety during the pandemic, I definitely feel like I would have been more sympathetic. But the fact is that the owners and the players are negotiating about money in a situation where people are at, in their houses and they want baseball. They, they just want to watch some games and it's delaying the start of the season. And as fans, it's it's pretty infuriating. I feel like as a college student right now, it's really hard to empathize with players that are making millions of dollars and especially not with owners that have sat on billions throughout their lives. I feel like it's really hard to sympathize with them. But when you look at minor leaguers that are barely making it, that are having to live paycheck to paycheck season by season, trying to work for that major league contract and also just the sense of wanting baseball to be back. I feel like from those two standpoints, it's 
we're losing so much. The fans, I feel like, are the biggest losers in this situation. And the two sides are negotiating properly. They want to make the most money and at the expense of the other. And ultimately, though, it's the fans that lose out when baseball isn't being played. Kind of going back to what I said earlier, like you can't play baseball without players. They would not be making as much money as they do without fans. Um, so I totally agree with you on that. I think that fans have kept the MLB afloat even in recent years. They've been they've been really terrible about like marketing, making the game more appealing to young people in general. They've just kind of like disregarded that. Um, like we made a joke the other day that like Mike Trout is the most unmarkable marketable player of all time. You know, like I think you're yeah. totally right that like fans are are the biggest losers in this situation besides the minor leaguers, of course. But go ahead, Noah, what are you going to say? Yeah, and just on top of that, I would just, I'm just thinking that the MLB is losing a huge opportunity at this point, um, especially given the circumstances. The MLB could be at the forefront of sports right now. They had the opportunity to, to get the negotiations done first, get on the field first, like safety permitting, um, and they've, they've really blown it. And at this point, they look the worst out of any major sports league um, in the country. And it's just really disappointing. And even regarding the uh, Black Lives Matter movement and the fight to end police brutality and systemic racism, MLB has also had an opportunity to, to make statements and really push forward um, anti-racist conversations. Um, and they've just blown it with that. I know a lot of other leagues like the NBA um, and their teams have, have done a much better job at addressing these issues, um, which is incredibly important right now. And the MLB was really extremely silent for a long time. And even when they did release their statement, it was really, it was, it was just pretty much nothing. It, it didn't commit to anything. It didn't really say anything. And it's just really disappointing. I, I'm just thinking baseball has always been considered America's pastime. Um, and it kind of seems like, we're, it's just getting left in the past. Just the thinking, the mentality, just how we're treating the players. It, it, it's just, it's, it's disappointing to see. Yeah, I could I not agree more. Mm. Yeah, that was, that was a good pun, my yeah, dude. Nice <laughs> um, but like, going back to what you said about how they could have, I mean, baseball is unique is in the way that it like, doesn't require players to be that close in most situations. I mean, obviously, base running is like you know you run some risks there uh the catcher's pretty near the ump um the batter but like other than that you're decently spaced out so like i think you're right they did have a chance to get the ball rolling a lot sooner and it's kind of funny that we're just kind of watching this like cat fight ensue between these two extremely incredibly rich sides um and Going back to the, the Black Lives Matter movement, I really do feel like some teams honestly just should not have said anything. Like, I love the Giants. The Cubs are my favorite team um, in the league. And both of their statements seemed so lackluster to me. They were like three sentences max. They were like, we condone, or not condone, oh my God. We condemn racism, like, we'll be better. But, like, you really have to put your money where your mouth is. I mean, it's just really, you have to make concrete plans. You can't just promise these things because that's kind of what we've been dealing with for years and years and years in this country. Is people saying, we'll make it better, you know, and then nothing ever comes of it. I mean, people do protest, people vote, and nothing ever super substantial really seems to happen um and it is disappointing like the mob prides themselves so much on jackie robinson everybody you know rallies behind him and then they cannot find the words the simple words of we support black lives we support the black lives matter movement we do not condone police violence they can't say that you know it's really kind of it's just how hard is it really you know also emily i'm wondering if you know this i i read your article that was published maybe yesterday um and it talked about how in the nfl 
it was like 100% of the owners were white, while 70% of the players were black or people of color. Uh, do you know the ratio in baseball? So baseball, um, the data that I was looking at, there's not much data um, from recent years, but in 2017, it was about like 54% of players were white. Um, Latino was the next biggest demographic. And then I believe it was, I think then after that it was black athletes and then Asian. And so they do also, the, I know that the number has been dropping significantly um, over the last couple of years or that um, the rate has just been going down of black players in Major League Baseball. Um, but it is, you know, it's disappointing to see. If you can't stand with the Black Lives Matter movement, then you are fighting against it. And when you have so many minorities playing for you, then you're also siding against them. And I don't know why the MLB would want to take that stance at all. <laughs> you know, another, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Um, and certainly not making it more appealing to the young people that are in the streets protesting right now. Um, it kind of is showing, I feel at least a little bit, uh, the antiquated values, like you said, of um, the MLB. So, you know, that was an interesting stat. There certainly are not as many Black athletes in baseball as there are in other sports, but I really yeah. still feel like you have to to commit to movements and social change that will benefit players regardless. So Most definitely. And and promoting change in the front offices, too, because I'm, I'm sure that MLB front offices are not as diverse as they really should be. That would be a good step forward. Yeah, that's a very good point. Go ahead, Shannon. Yeah, I just feel like the players are doing a much better job of speaking out against this systemic racism than the league has been doing. And I feel like players like Dexter Fowler, Giancarlo Stanton have all spoken up and spoken up really well and really eloquently about this topic. But the league itself has not really followed suit. And it's really odd to me because as a league, you should be representing your players. You should be on the same page as them. And when your players are speaking up and you're not, there's a discrepancy there. And I think that that's, that's something that we should note because the players have been very active. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, like going back to what I said about the, um, the Giants statement, like that's a organization that profited a lot off of Barry Bonds and a lot off of um, Dusty Baker. And like you have iconic black athletes in this organization and you just, you offer two sentences saying that you will promise to do better and that's just it's like it's shameful and disappointing I mean like Yasiel Pui even had a great statement he's an Afro-Latino man and he you know made a great comment like players have been speaking out um which is so much it's so good to see that but it also is kind of strange like we said like why is there a discrepancy between the players on the Giants and the Giants you know, whoever's deciding to make that post, um, whoever's putting those words down, like, you know, do you really mean what you're saying? Uh, have you checked with your players? Like, are you guys even communicating? Um, it definitely brings those things into question, so. Yeah, I mean, the Giants are my hometown team, and you walk past AT&T Park, you see a statue of Willie Mays right outside. Willie Mays was African-American, and you just mm -hmm. think that, like, I don't think it was enough. It really wasn't enough. And I feel like the players are speaking up, the teams, the leagues, the league, it has to follow. It has to follow. And there's no reason why the league can't stand up just that bit taller for their players. Right. And also, I mean, we've just been talking solely about making statements, like posting statements onto social media platforms. Like, yeah the real brunt of this. That's is the like, least you could do. Yeah, it exactly. really is the least that you can do. And, you know, if they can do, if they can't do the bare minimum, that is awfully indicative um, of where their head's at right now. It's really, really disappointing to see that. So circling back to the issue of the, the salaries, 
Um, I know that the, I think the MLB most recently proposed, I think like an 82 game season. Is that what it was or was it even fewer games? I've, I've, I've heard it's even fewer, like 50 to 60 50? games. Yeah. Um, yeah and they said they'd prorate that. But of course, that's like a third, a third of what the salaries would be. Yeah. I mean, if I'm an owner, I am, I'm laughing all the while when it comes to delaying these negotiations. Because I feel like as you progress in these negotiations and nothing happens, you end up having less time to play games. And mm-hmm. when you play fewer games, you don't have to pay your players as much. And then you get to the postseason, and now all your games are on TV, and the players don't get paid because it's the postseason. So I'm, I would be totally happy to pay my players 50 to 60 games worth of salary and then postseason bonuses. I feel like that's a huge win for the owners. And I feel like the longer these negotiations take, the better it is for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do, you, what do you guys think about 50 games as a season, though? I, I was on Twitter looking at some things, and, and, and there was this tweet about what happened in a 50-game span of MLB season last, last year. And one of them was the Nationals went 19-31, and 31, and they won the World Series. You know, right. 50 games, like, that just calls them to the legitimacy of of, of the season if it is that short yeah especially if players haven't been on their regular practice routines haven't working out together because of the pandemic you can't expect them to just you know dive head first like back into the season and perform the way that they were before um I mean like you think about the Dodgers and how poised they were to make a really good legitimate World Series run finally and you know, they just got absolutely shafted by this. And I know Noah and I are chuckling silently because we don't like yes, the Dodgers. Yes, I think we all might be chuckling. No one likes yeah. the Dodgers here. No one likes the Dodgers yeah. here. Oh, okay, good. Whew. High five. Just kidding. <laughs> but, I mean, so I feel like that's also not an isolated case. Like, a lot of teams won't benefit from a season that this that's this short like you said, players aren't really, they're risking so much to do this, not getting a lot of reward for it. And it's kind of goes back to the draft thing. Like what even is the point of having this season? I mean, you get as much money as you can from like TV revenue. I mean, of course that helps, but I mean, yeah, still at the end of the day, I kind of wonder why money is even such a big, you know, topic of debate right now for this organization that, I'm pretty sure multi-million dollar at least. It's just, it's kind of crazy. I'm just pondering. I'm just yeah. pondering like a 50 to 60 game season though. Like I, it's really hard for me to wrap my mind around that considering I've seen 162 game seasons like my whole life. I feel yeah. like when you, when you have a season that short, one of your guys gets injured. Say you like lose your ace or lose like your three hole hitter. You're, mm-hmm. where's your, what's your team going to do? You're, mm-hmm. yeah you could potentially just knock yourself out of playoff contention right there. You know, it feels like it'll provide a lot more unpredictability, that's for sure. But in the end, though, it won't feel natural. Mm -hmm. You can't pull up from the minor leagues. Really? You kind of... Yeah, you can. Oops. Well, well, then I... Uh Begs the question, like, would you guys rather see a 50-game season or no season at all? Oh, you're asking the hard questions. (laughs) (laughs) um I mean like all things considered oh man this is tough because like part of me like and I know this sounds kind of kind of evil but like part of me doesn't really want to see the owners like get away with it you know to like still profit so much um while the players are the ones suffering the most but I also know that the players do need the money and the the only way that they're going to make money is by playing and having a season um this is like a very interesting moral and ethical debate too. I think that if they can like get going, if they can get over this drama and start the season, like I would be happy to see one. But in my mind, I would always, always think about the season. Like I would always put an asterisk next to it. I would definitely question the legitimacy. Also, I mean, we want to talk about the MLB effing up. I mean, how legitimate have the past few World Series winners <laughs> You're right. been, you, you know? Yeah. On the topic of asterisks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Seriously. 
And this is also oh, wow. hysterical because the Astros now, like the biggest punishment for them was like taking away their first two draft picks and like <laughs> a slight salary cut. Yeah, which doesn't matter anymore at all. Yeah. It's crazy how much they're going to get away with this. Like, I've even forgotten about the Astros cheating. Yeah, no one's been talking about it. And now, because of all this other stuff that's been going on, which has been worse, all that has kind of just been left in the past, swept under the rug, you know? So we just keep going, and Mm -hmm. so do the Astros. (laughs) Yeah. That's so crazy. I was so excited to go to an A's game and boo them. Ah, dang it. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it's, I just, the MLB has certainly made a lot of mistakes, but like you said, a lot of those mistakes have been overlooked. Um, I mean, they don't really have to answer to anybody else except for themselves. And I think that they handled that scandal horrendously. I mean, like hardly punishment at all. Really, really crazy that this pandemic struck when it did too, to like lessen that blow. Um, what do you think about a shortened season then, Noah, and also Channing? Well, yeah, Channing, you didn't answer that either. Yeah, I mean, there's, it just really comes down to how much are you willing to forgive the MLB for at this point? Like arguing about money during a pandemic when people want baseball, not paying minor leaders. I feel like having a 50-game season, though, that would, we all want baseball back. I know the players and the owners want baseball back. And when you think about the owners wanting to save money to make the most profit out of this situation, they also stand to lose so much if no games are played. That means no TV deals. That means mm-hmm. the whole season's gone. You've basically just lost a whole season. So mm-hmm. I know that both sides want baseball to come back. And I know that having a 50-game season might open the door for minor leaguers to start getting paid again. I, I think that that's those are the people that I empathize the most with, not mm-hmm. the players that are making millions or the owners that are, that have billions, but just people that are working and their work is just playing baseball. So I think that having a 50 game season, I'll take that over nothing. Yeah, I agree. I just think it would be really hard for the MLB to come back from not playing a 2020 season at all. Mm-hmm. Just with everything that's happening, all the decisions they've made, if no baseball ends up being played, in 2020 it just is it's really bad for the league in the in the long run mm-hmm. yeah and just to clarify also the mlb as an organization is valued at 3.3 billion dollars and the average team is worth 1.85 billion dollars you know that's like that's a staggering amount oh, and i wonder mm-hmm. what oh oh this is another good google how much is a minor team minor league team worth three million dollars <laughs> wow staggering. yeah wow that is crazy i mean also i i don't know yes let's do it i certainly have the funds to make that happen <laughs> go ahead Noah. you're saying Noah? yeah yeah, um, I don't know the breakdown of this, but, like, for a team, I, I mean, I don't mean to single out, like, the Rays here or, like, the Marlins, but for teams that, like, have no fans, like, I, I can't imagine that, like, a big portion of their revenue comes from fans actually going to the game. Like, it has to be from TV deals and partnerships and marketing and stuff like that, right? Like, how much money are they actually losing from no fans being in the stadium? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was also just thinking about, like, there aren't any, there isn't going to be, like, staff working at these games, really. Like, at least nothing close to the number of staff that you would have with fans. So, that's not part of your budget. Like, there's a lot of things that you don't have to worry about considering when you have a, or I guess a season in the pandemic. You know, but, like, that's what is kind of confusing me. Like, why so up in arms? I don't know. And then, of course, at the end of the day, like, the MLB is going to survive this. It's going to ride this wave and probably not 
like suffer a ton. I mean, obviously you have, you don't profit as much one year, but people are so eager to get back to baseball and back to sports in general that as soon as they are back, you know, as soon as this country is somewhat back to normal and we can go to games, like I'm sure that they'll see booms in their ticket sales. Maybe not the Rays or Marlins. (laughs) most other teams so it is yeah I feel like it comes down to just like the ethical question like why is an organization that's worth so much so concerned like still fighting it so hard when it's their own players like at the end of the day it's their own players that they usually should be looking out for I guess that's why they have the union but yeah yeah, I've really never understood, just in sports in general, why there's such a disconnect between management and players. Like, I always thought of them as just, like, one big thing, you know? Mm-hmm. But there's just it's, there's two different fields. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is very true. I guess money is the name of the game. Yeah, money ball. I mean, it's a business. So, I mean, yeah. it's, like, at the end of the day, it's it's all about how much you can rake in. So, I, I just I just think that the most similar situation to this was probably back in 1994 when there was a whole there's a whole argument between players and the league about a series of salary changes they wanted to institute a salary cap players weren't having it and they ended up canceling the, the world series the playoffs whole half of the season just got wiped away and the fans were so angry with it and i feel like right now especially with this pandemic and people being out of a job when baseball comes back there's no guarantee that they'll get their fans back or at least not right away there's going to be a long long period of recovery from this if there's no season so an agreement needs to be reached really soon Mm -hmm. yeah that is also another point to consider like how we talked earlier about like how much are you willing to forgive the MLB and I was like I hate the owners but I will certainly be at games as soon as they're open again, you know, like, I mean, you kind of like participate in the system. Um, But yeah, you're right. I think that at least by the way that they're behaving right now, like all things considered, like pay cuts to the minor leagues, the whole Black Lives Matter, the silence on that, just really like kind of well it's not silly I know that it's about salary but the very very drawn out arguments about pay like you know at least has made me think very critically about the MLB who's running it um can I support this league ethically like is it in the player's best interest um like to do so I mean probably kind of I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I love watching baseball, but this is a league that took years to abolish the Cleveland Indians Chief Wahoo logo, and it's mm-hmm. still in stores. So I, I think that at mm-hmm. this point, with this situation in this country right now, the league's already proven that systemic racism isn't a priority, and now was the time for it to do so, and it fell short. Mm-hmm. Couldn't have said it better myself. Also, I did write about this in my column, but the Cleveland Indians released a better statement, like a more thoughtful statement than the MLB did, like actually like had points of how it was gonna work to better the community. And I laughed my ass off. I really did. Was changing their name part of their list? It wasn't. It's, you know they got work to do <laughs> I know I know I feel like as a whole this this week this pandemic has been so illustrative of how far sports like how how much more work they need to put in to be equitable because I mean like even thinking back to the NFL draft which was virtual it was like the most televised or the most watched Uh, draft in history and the NFL kept I'm sure did you guys watch it at Mm -hmm. all 
Yeah, they just literally every single black player that was up, they were like, uh, they just talked about arguably the worst thing that has ever happened to them, like an unspeakable tragedy. With the white players, it was not the same. It was like has a 4.0 GPA. His brother plays baseball. Um, I also wrote a comment about this, but like, how can you not see what you're doing there? How can you not, how can you be so ignorant, like, that you just, you know, fail to see that disconnect there? I just think there just, there needs to be a level of accountability. And it's clear, like, even with us talking, it's like, it's so hard to hold these leagues accountable. It's Mm -hmm. like, what's, like, how do we confront this, like, massive, massive organization? Yeah. Like, we, like, we almost, like, rely on so much, you know, for entertainment. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, there definitely needs to be more accountability on behalf of teams and leagues as a whole. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, even the 49ers and the Washington Redskins made statements. Or they, they posted for Blackout Tuesday, which was also hysterical. I mean, the hypocrisy, you know. But, yeah, I feel like you, there is a certain – you really do have to be so unaware of what's going on in the world, like, to do stuff like that. So, like, you – like, I just, it, it boggles my mind to think, like, nobody thought about what the ramifications for having all those tragic stories on the draft might have been. Like, nobody thought about the stereotypes they may have been enforcing. I mean, the 49ers had their chance, too, to, like, also make a statement. Um, and they just, like, they have time and time again failed to do the right thing. And, like we said before, you can't have sports without players and you can't have sports without fans as well. So I guess it does kind of come down to like, I guess we could, I, you know, speak up a little bit more demand that we, you know, want to see more black people in their, um, uh, in their front offices. And I mean, they really do have to be better. And there's so much work um, that they need to put in. Uh, that gets glossed over because so many people rely on them and love them for the sports they provide. Yeah, Yeah. the sad thing is that teams have so much influence and leagues have so much influence in terms of shaping social media, stuff that we see and stuff that we associate with these teams. As a kid growing up, I always idolized the Giants because they were my hometown team. And I'm sure a lot of other kids do too with with their respective teams. So to make the players have to stand up on the team's behalf, it really doesn't portray them in a good light. And Mm -hmm. especially given the level of influence that teams hold over fans, I, it's inexcusable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, like their social media accounts, like almost every single social media account for all of these teams and every different sports league, they have massive followings, like truly massive. And I mean, you, this is kind of, this is a lot of what the um, Black Lives Matter movement has focused on, at least in terms of social media, is that if you have a platform, which is like mostly due to the the systems that exist right now that are hyper-racialized, mostly white people have those platforms, you have to use those platforms to advocate for the right thing. And sports have, by and large, just not done that in many different ways I mean like we said before posting is the bare minimum um I mean do you guys have any other thoughts on like how they could have handled it the MLB at least like in terms of the salary argument um or the the Black Lives Matter situation anything we touched on I kind of don't. I <laughs> just pay your yeah. players. Be good to your players. It's really yeah, yeah. in terms of the salary negotiations, there there's really just a standoff going on there. And I feel like at that point, no no one can win without the other side losing something. And in this mm-hmm. case, it would just be a portion of their salary or a portion of their profits. You know, so mm-hmm. in that sense, in that sense, it's really hard for negotiations to pan out smoothly and Mm -hmm. in in the past as we've seen in 1994 major league baseball and its players don't necessarily they aren't necessarily on the same page all the time and 
when, when you look at that, it's these negotiations, they've, they've taken so much longer than they've needed to. And I, I can only hope that we see an end to them soon and that baseball can be back. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of addressing racism, in terms of addressing police brutality, I think that was honestly a bigger disappointment to me because mm-hmm. if a team is if a team is not prioritizing those things, if a team is not if, if the te- if the team is perpetuating either inaction or stereotypes, I feel like it's so hard to see that as someone growing up or someone that follows that team and maintain the same amount of respect. And they could have made much better statements, maybe even volunteered tried to give back to the community either financially or through or through volunteering in person assuming safety is followed but yeah they really could have done so much more in that department when it comes to the negotiations i feel like both sides are pushing as hard as they can but in terms of addressing racism it they could have done a lot more mm-hmm. yeah i think in summary it's just the mlb can do so much better i think that's just our main message for this whole podcast is that MLB is not doing enough and it, it's showing. Um, and it is really disappointing as fans to, to see this happening. Yeah. And I think that the repercussions will be pretty severe. I think that they will manifest in ways that the MLB did not see coming. That could be a drop in, you know, fan attendance. It could be just like the general, like teams not having good cores or foundations because of the way they've treated minor league players but yeah like overall I totally agree with what Shannon said like the way that they've handled um using their platforms and like really just by not using their platforms to say things that people need to hear they have done a huge injustice to their players um even the fans because it's all kind of like a it's a like I said, everything ripples out and it's the people at the very bottom of the quote food chain, you know, that suffer the most from people's inaction. Um, so I think that, I mean, I'm sure we'll see how this turns out in coming years, but if we don't even have a season <laughs> this, <laughs> this year, you know, who knows? Um, uh, I think we're winding down We've got some other commitments soon, but I do want to just kind of quickly plug our writing. Um, Shannon wrote a fantastic column that has to do with the return of the MLB and sports in general um, called Red Light. You can find it on the Daily Cal's website under the sports page. Um, Noah wrote a super fantastic uh, piece for our Bear Bites blog um, about the MLB's biggest losers and even bigger losers. Um, in terms of the shortened season, uh, the pandemic striking when it did, cough, Dodgers, cough, <laughs> cough. Um, <laughs> and the column that we've been referencing a couple of times um, that I wrote is called Silent Spring. We published it yesterday, uh, also under the sports tab. Um, and the one about the NFL draft is on there too. So if you look at any of our author pages, you can find those pieces. Um, but do any of you guys have anything else to add to this before we head out? Just going to be another interesting couple of weeks seeing these negotiations play out. I'm sure if we come back in two weeks, there'll be another whole new story that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think the next couple of weeks are going to be very informative in terms of a lot of different sports happenings. Like, I think that colleges are going to start making decisions about whether or not they're going to be open, which will affect college football so I think that we will have a lot to talk about in the next coming weeks like you said um but I think that's all we have for you guys today thank you so much for joining us um we're gonna try to get these episodes out every week so be sure to tune in when you can um again my name is Emily Oman um I was joined by Noah Parker and Shannon Ong today so huge thanks to you guys and I'm extremely excited to be doing this podcast with with you guys and all the other staffers that we're going to have on here so yeah be sure to tune in next week and that's all we have for you today